Welcome to the video podcast, Richard Gage, 9-11 Unleashed, where truth and unity matter. Take the deep dive with highly influential voices in and around the 9-11 truth movement. Welcome to Richard Gage, 9-11 Unleashed. We're back with another exciting episode. And when I say exciting, I mean very exciting. We're bringing back Dave Von Kleist, one of the original researchers of the truth about 9-11. And we've got him back in the green room, but we've got some other exciting announcements too. So let me bring on board Ms. Gail Gage. Hi, Gail. Hello. Hey, Richard. And hi, everybody. Great. Uh, yes. Hello, everyone. And Gail, uh, before we bring on our very exciting guest, um, we've got some exciting news, too. We sure do. Absolutely. Let's hear it. Yes. Yeah, so we just returned, as probably a lot of you already know, from the amazing Anarchapoco 2022 Unstoppable uh, we just got home yesterday, in fact, so we're uh, hitting the ground running. But what an amazing conference. And I just I feel so like recharged and re-energized and very, very excited about everything that happened and what's going to be coming up. This is like two to three hundred people who gather every year in Mexico, in Acapulco, and they are freedom loving people. I mean, yes. They, yeah. they, they call themselves anarchists, but we know that that term has been abused by the media and government. Um, uh, it simply means uh, without rulers. It doesn't mean without rules, as we have learned from one of our guests uh, that uh, we have interviewed uh, three or four people now. What, what, who did we interview over there at Anarchapulco? Oh, my gosh. So we were able to interview Dr. Rashid Bittar. He's a mm -hmm. frontline doctor that really is focusing on medical truth. Uh, he's the medical director for Centers for Advanced Medicine. He's an osteopathic physician. Um, and we have some exciting news about him that Richard will share with you that's coming I'll tell up. you right now, he's invited us to speak at his advanced medicine conference in San Antonio, Texas on Memorial Day weekend. Actually, We're very excited to bring 9-11 truth into the medical truth community. Yes, actually, it's not in San Antonio or it's not in, uh, did you say San Diego or San Antonio? San Antonio. Antonio. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yes, in Texas. So, yes, we're very excited about that. That's And we interviewed who? And Dr. Andrew Kaufman. No. Yes. <laughs> Andy is so awesome. We were able, because he was in the same hotel as us, so we were able to hang out with him also and get to know him a little bit better. And so Andrew is the medical is a medical doctor. He's a psychiatrist, molecular, molecular biologist, and a natural healing consultant. So he's like really got a lot of uh, expertise and knowledge and training. Well, he's, he pointed out during our hour-long interview that there's no proof of the COVID virus at all. They, they've completely uh, made this thing up. He gives some compelling evidence, of manipulating the stats, manipulating the fear, uh, of course, and the death rates and the hospital manipulations and the uh, 
well, anyway, we're we're not supposed to go into all that. <laughs> no, but we, we value our friends on YouTube, um, and we don't want to lose them. So, yeah. well, you guys can go watch that. It's it's actually on our Bitchute platform, but uh, you can find it at richardgage911.org. Very yes. exciting. Well, who yes, else did we interview? We also interviewed James Patrick. He's the film director of the film Planet Lockdown, which was mm-hmm. just recently um, uh, released, if I believe, if I'm correct. Kind of like me. I, I've been recently released from <laughs> AE911 Truth. It's a whole story, uh, but you can learn more at our website. Again, richardgage911.org. Yes, and then we interviewed Josh Sigurdsson of World Art Alternative Media. A lot of people know his podcast as Wham, W-A-M. Uh, he's an independent journalist, and he's really well-known. But, boy, that guy, he's not very old, but he is he's done a whole <laughs> lot for the truth movement. He's like 27. He's been at it for longer than I have, I think. Yeah. Um, and Josh uh, actually tries to explain uh, what is anarchy or, or why. Because, you know, I'm real skeptical. I'm I'm kind of a conservative and I value the Constitution. And uh, and, and, the, and the anarchists have some problems even with the Constitution, much less the corruption uh, in the government that uh, happened anyway, despite the excellent work of our forefathers putting together a framework uh, that was uh, supposed to be uh, uncorruptible. Uh, at least there's checks and balances and so forth that are supposed to keep our form of government uh, intact. But something's happened, as 9-11 proves, and as our guest today uh, proves also. There was one more other, other interview, not last but not least, was Ernest Hancock. Um, he's on the platform Freedoms Phoenix, and his, he has a radio show, Declare Your Independence. And that was a great kind of a quick side interview. Yep. And Ernie was the MC of the whole conference. Yes. And uh, boy, what an energetic guy. And uh, that that interview is very helpful. He's a libertarian. So I said, what's the difference, Ernie, between libertarianism and anarchism? And he says, well, about two election cycles. (laughs) In other words, the libertarians kind of. Some of them, anyway, give up on mm-hmm. on the uh, uh, on uh, on the hope that uh, we can get corruption out of government. <clears throat> I'm not going to take a stand, but let's ask our guest today about that. Uh, our guest is, in fact, uh, Mr. Dave von Kleist, one of the original researchers, having produced uh, a couple of years after 9/11, uh, 9/11 in plain sight. 9-11 ripple effect. He's a musician, a broadcaster, a filmmaker. He's still going strong after 50 years of, of uh, freedom songs uh, and uh, music. I can vouch for him. Gail and I hooked up with him and had lunch uh, with the original, the only Dave Von Kleist in Kalispell, Montana, where we spoke to a group of 100 last month. He's been to Central America and back again with plenty of adventures to show for it. Dave is the creator of one of the first films exposing the truth about 9-11 in plain sight. Perhaps his most unique research there was to highlight the pod or a physical appendage under the plane's fuselage on the right, on the left, 
on the right side, along with a huge flash of light that was revealed, and we're going to go into this today, no less than four independent videos of the plane impact at the South Tower. We discussed this in detail <coughs> today. <coughs> Excuse me. Dave's second film, 9-11 Ripple Effect, was described as in plain sight on steroids, thanks to the interviews with some key people, experts in their field. If you have only if you have time to watch only one of these documentaries, make sure it's uh, the ripple effect uh, first. From the description of this historic DVD, Why Were America and the World Never Shown the Video and Photographs of the Pentagon Before the Outer Wall had collapsed, showing only one hole that uh, many suggest is 16 feet. We're going to watch that uh, today, by the way. Um, so uh, we th these films are produced and written by William Lewis and Dave Von Kleist, directed by William Lewis. Uh, most people don't realize that Dave Von Kleist became a professional musician at 19 with a folk rock band, rock band, Dandelion Wine, produced by Richie Havens. We'll have to ask Dave about that. In fact, we're going to do that right now. Uh, let's just bring him on. Or maybe we should just wait. May no, let's not wait. Let's bring him on right now. There he Hurry is, up. having a sip of coffee by his own guitar. Oh, there. Wow. <laughs> Good to see you. Hi. Hey, Dave. <laughs> At least he's got his coffee. Yeah. How are you doing, Dave? Hi, guys. Life treating you well? Oh, it's all good. You know, the powers that be hate it when you point and laugh at them, you know? And, <laughs> We're going to do uh, some of that today, aren't we? Humor, using music and humor to uncover the truth seems to be a very potent uh, weapon indeed. So uh, that's that's what I focused on for many, many years. Um, and, yeah, I suppose the 9-11 issue, of course, is very serious. But, um, you know, doing radio and doing parodies and stuff like that, you know, I try to inject a little bit of humor and music into uh you know a bitter pill of truth you know so well right on and guess what i, I know people are going to have a lot of questions for you and that's gail's job that's one of the main reasons that she's here tell us how you do your job gail and then we'll let you go and do it okay sounds good so everybody uh, remember when you're watching the video on Facebook and LinkedIn, underneath the video in the comment section, put your questions there. So they pop up on my screen here in StreamYard. I'll copy and paste them over so that Richard and our wonderful guest, Dave, um, can see them and Dave can answer your questions. That's All right, it. then. So we'll let you go do that and we'll catch up with you with all of those wonderful questions. Okay. Okay. Bye. All right. Good luck back there. And here's Mr. Dave Von Kleist. Look at him. He doesn't look a day older. Uh, and and here it heart. is. <laughs> 20 years. I feel older with all the stuff that I've gone through. Yeah, well, I want to hear about some of it. But I understand you have a song for us to open us up. Oh, well, I could. Um, oh, well, let's yeah. do it. Well, you know, some of these songs, <laughs> uh, again, um, yes, I've always been a musician. Uh, I always will be. I always have been. And uh, that's basically my weapon. This is my weapon of mass instruction. All right. And, <laughs> Perfect. Uh, the first album came out 26 years ago. 
And the title cut was, Will Someone Listen? Mm. You know, and uh, it's the lyrics. I don't know how I came up with some of these lyrics, but they're more applicable today than they were when I wrote them. You know, right. um, I was I was thinking, you know, which is, you, you mentioned before we went, did the show. Uh, well, why don't you play a song? And I'm sitting here trying to think of which one, you know, I, should I play a verse of this one and a verse of that one? You know, uh, there was one that was that was, again, 26 years ago. It was called Prevail. And there was a verse in there. I don't know if you can hear this. I think we all know we've been lied to through the years. Events confirm our darkest fears. And in denial, we still act like nothing's wrong. We work so hard to get along. But now it's time for us to see There really is conspiracy If we don't act, we won't be free We must be brave Or be a slave That's just one verse, and again, you know, this is where we are. We are in the middle of a huge global conspiracy. It's been going on for year after year, decade after decade. And <clears throat> I'm feeling vindicated right now because what's going on all over the world is that all this stuff is being revealed. And I want to share with uh, you and your listeners uh, right now, if you go to grand-jury.net, write it down, go back to it after the show, grand-jury.net. And go look at the interviews, or shall I say the testimonies, being given by some of the most powerful and recognized doctors, virologists, attorneys, health givers, researchers, historians. They're putting all the puzzle pieces together because it's not just about COVID. It's not just about the vaccine. It's about the financiers behind it. And this has been going on for a long time. So if you want Dave, to get let's, uh, let's uh, just, just a, a heads up now we want we want to make I, I this is i've looked at this 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 is incredible it but is. i just want to make sure that we maintain our youtube channel because our friends on youtube need us they're in the dark many of them mm-hmm. uh, and we can reach many more newcomers to the 911 issue and the disease that's going around and the false solution for it uh, so so uh, we can use terms like that Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, you know, a lot of this stuff is coming out. The Pandora's box is not just open. It's exploded. And all these lockdowns for the past two years have created legions of researchers who are bringing forward this information and sharing it with, as I said, very uh, highly respected professionals uh, in in health and law and finances, etc. Everything is connected. 9-11 is just one puzzle piece to a grand uh, puzzle, and all the pe- the puzzle pieces are being thrown on the table now. The, uh, the truth is being revealed. I mean, it's it, it's biblical. It's 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 revelation unfolding. So yeah, maybe I mean, they, you you think if they would have slowed down, taken their time, and done a better job with nine eleven and 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 
well, they actually did a pretty good job with that. Most people are asleep, but with COVID, I mean, they're rolling it out. It's kind of like Canada in a way with, with the, with, with the response, the draconian response to the truckers, it's going to wake up more people uh, than the original issue did the mandates. Yeah. 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 Well, the thing is the, the bad boys know that their ship is going down. But just keep in mind, when they know their ship is going down, they're going to make every attempt to punch holes in every lifeboat. So that's that's what we're up against right now. Yeah, it really is. And and, and before we jump into the ripple effect, uh, do you have one more song for us? I didn't get enough of that last one. <laughs> um, all right. Another song was called Come On America. And yeah. this was written a year before the 9-11 attack. Um, and it was to, to try to motivate people. Uh, let me see. We continue to trust such a small, small group of men who have robbed us before, and they'll do it again. Yes, they worship the dollar, the silver, the gold, and they haven't a soul. It's already been sold, and they say there's a villain. They say he's the one who's destroying our freedom, and a war has begun. But the ones with the power legislate every day, passing laws that are taking your freedoms away. So come on, America, join in the fight and resist their corruption with all of your might. You can hide in the darkness or you can stand in the light. Oh, your God won't be with you till you do what is right. <laughs> Dave, that's priceless. I've never heard that I got three albums of politically incorrect, in your face, you lying son of a bit government music. (laughs) Wait a minute. And you can find it all on YouTube. All my stuff is out there for free. All you got to do is go to YouTube and search my name, Dave Von Kleist. You won't need the Kleist part. Just put V-O-N. It'll pop right up. And all my music is out there for free. I'm not selling it. And there are people out there on eBay, uh, and they're selling my music. They're selling uh, the, the, ni- the 9-11 videos. I have no idea who they are. I have no, I don't care who they are. Uh-huh. It's not about the money. The money has polluted. It's corrupted. Uh, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I left the 9-11 truth community. Because, you know, there were so many people out there, they wanted to sell their video or sell their book or promote their, their radio show or their podcast or, or their blog or whatever. If they're in it for profit or for accolades, you're in it for the wrong reason. And for yep. that reason, I got sort of pushed out of the 9-11 truth community because I told them the 9-11 truth uh, movement is turning into a 9-11 bowel movement. You know, and that really <laughs> ticked a lot of people off. And you know exactly why, don't you, Richard? Yeah, I've experienced some of that, and mm-hmm. um, but I think I think your solution—you've you, made two incredible films. In addition to that, you you just keep pumping out uh, "Addicted to War." Uh, imagine uh, that's a, a play on on jo- on John Lennon. Real news. Let's roll. I'm going to play this uh, for. <laughs> well, for let me people. set it up. Let me set this up, though. When you're doing a radio show, most people know that you go to a commercial break. And when you come back from the commercial break, they usually play some up-tempo music. You know, Rush Limbaugh did it and Sean Hannity does it. You know, I don't care who it is. They usually have what they call bumper music. And so these are bumpers that I put together 
um, what I did is I took karaoke discs and would change the words around. In many cases, I would do it on the fly during the commercial break. And so we'd come back and I would do it live. So I did a whole series of songs. I was having a ball with George Bush. Uh, it was, it was uh, 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 G GW and the Carlisle group singing all your favorite songs. <laughs> anyway, so there's a whole bunch of them in there. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure the gambler. And stolen bones. What's this number 11? That came out before COVID, right? Yeah, that was, yeah. I was, I was screaming about the Gardasil vaccine. You know, oh. take your big vaccine and get out of here. You know, oh <laughs> it's, it was a takeoff on Steely Dan uh, with Black Cow. We'll play that one, too. Uh, and then we're going to get into uh, get into in plain sight and, and ripple effect and the extraordinary revelations that you exposed here. The but, pot uh, and the listen. flash, I'm telling you, they're they're the key. They're the key that nobody wanted to talk about for all these years. And now I'm I'm feeling vindicated because people are saying, you know what? Uh, maybe that musician crazy guy was uh, uh maybe he was right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't get it, yeah. you know. Well, listen to this. this... <laughs> I'm glad I can make you laugh. I hope the listeners out there are laughing too. <laughs> There's nothing happening. I don't hear it. Oh, you don't hear it, Dave? No. What did I do? What have you done, Richard? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, Gail, uh, let me bring in Gail. Gail, did you hear the music? It's very, very faint. Very I can faint. barely. Okay, it's going through the mic. All right, hold on. We're going to fix this. Dave, while I'm fixing this, yeah, tell us about your start in music at age 19. Well, um, of course, at growing up in the 60s and 70s, you know, I was influenced heavily by, you know, all the music that was going on, you know, Bob Dylan, the, the Beatles, the Stones. Um, and I was an aspiring young musician and all through high school. And um, I just started joining bands and playing out. And, uh, and like I said, I've always been a musician. I had no inclination or desire whatsoever to pursue politics or economics or health issues. I was, you know, a rock and roll star wannabe. And, uh, and that's the way it was, you know, through the 70s. Um, and uh, like I said, I also was doing vocals. I was doing, you know, studio vocals for jingles, uh, announcers for commercials, uh, I was the voice of WTNH Channel 8 in New Haven, Connecticut. Huh. Um, and then I en ended up doing a, a talk show on WATR AM 1320 in Waterbury, Connecticut. And that was in the uh, in the early, 90, well, 94, 95, 95, something like that. And uh, and it was right around the time of the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, it was 95. So um, a song about the Oklahoma City bombing, too? Yeah, it's on one of the albums. Yeah, it's called <laughs> OK Can You See? And oh. I included all of the original news uh, clips from the local television stations when they talked about a second bomb, a third bomb. They talked about retrieving the second bomb. They said it was bigger than the first bomb. And they actually said, and I quote, we actually have got diffused bombs. OK, they had all of this information. And then the networks got there. And it was sort of like uh, John Lywitz from Lywitness News. Yeah, that's it. 
Yeah, a big bomb went off in Oklahoma City. Yeah, it blew everything across the into the building. That's it. Yeah, it blew it into the building. Yeah, yeah, that was you know it was a, it was a, a car bomb. No, it was a truck. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a U-Haul, a rider truck. That's what it was. Yeah, that's the ticket. I mean, they just kept massaging <laughs> and changing everything. So I took the original newscasts, the original audio clips, and put them in the song. So if you want to hear OK, Can You See, it's on uh, it's on YouTube, and it's got all the original uh, broadcasts. So Oh, great. Now, Dave, when did you become aware of the truth about 9-11? What happened? Well, on the morning of 9-11, of course, you knew that I was hosting a radio show, uh, The Power Hour, with my wife at the time, Joyce Riley. We were on the GCN radio network, which is the same network that carries Alex Jones, InfoWars. And uh, so we were getting ready to go on the air that morning, and we were living in Missouri, uh, Central Time. And we were getting ready to go on at the time we started the show at 8 o'clock Central, which is 9 o'clock Eastern. So as I was getting ready to connect up to the network and, okay, get connected, okay, and I'd say, okay, check, check, have you got it? Yeah, we got it. How's the level? It's fine. Okay, very good. How much time do I have? About 30 seconds. Okay, great. Let me get my news stories and put this over here. Oh, I've got to turn on the TV monitor. I turn on the CNN, turn on Fox. What? Oh, my God, what's going on in New York? And meanwhile, the clock is going free. Two, one, I'm on the air. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, listen carefully. Before we play any music, before we intro the show, I want you to run, don't walk to your television, put in a tape and start taping any network you can. Something horrible is going on in New York. So all over the country, I mean, we had about 65, 70 radio stations. We were on AM, FM, satellite, shortwave, internet, and XM radio. So all over the country, people slap their videotapes in. Three minutes later on live television, we all know what happened. We saw the point, the South Tower get hit. Yep. Needless to say, it was a pretty sad and disturbing day of broadcasting. Well, about two weeks later, and this is important, two weeks later, GW did a press conference. And he said, and I can, I'll paraphrase. He said, uh, we got to stop showing these terrible attacks on America no more because America needs time to heal. So the network stopped showing the footage. Now, keep in mind that ABC has ABC footage. NBC's got NBC footage. ABC, CNN, Fox, they've all got their own footage and they were not releasing it. Okay. So around the same time, I started getting videotapes in the mail. I ended up with a box of about 65, 70 videotapes from all over the country. I had all of the network footage, all of it. But wow. I also had WOR, WNEW, WJAR, WPIX, all the local stations in and around New York City. Well, for a while, that footage stayed in the box because I didn't know what to do with it. I'm just a crazy musician doing a talk show. And then all the, con the conspiracy theories started coming out. Oh, what hit the Pentagon? I said, oh, come on, let me go see this. So I started going through the video footage and it blew me away. That's when I realized that there was probably no other place in the country that anyone would have access to all the footage. I felt obligated that, to put the footage together and create a documentary and put it out. And that's how 9-11 in plain sight happened. That's the story. Oh. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. You know what I'm going to stick to? I'm going to stick to... This song here. Listen to this, you guys. Yeah. 
Okay, here's a new song from, from GW, that's me and the Carlisle group. I was talking on the telephone with Tony Blair. We was looking for intelligence that he would share. I need some information that they can't rebuke. He said Saddam was buying stuff to build a nuke. Well, let's roll. Everybody, <laughs> let's roll. If I'm going to play the game and score, well, then I have to launch another war. Well, making lots of money is a lot of fun. We make it by creating wars that can't be won. We'll blame it on Al-Qaeda nearly every day, but we'll never tell the sheep, oh, it's the CIA. Well, let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> let's roll. You get down, Junior. Well, going to play the game and score. And now I have to build another war. <coughs> well, there's Romney and Dick Cheney and my daddy, too. We've been planning it for years of what we're going to do. We gave money to Osama and the Taliban. And then 9-11 started off a master plan. Let's roll. Let's, let's, let's roll. Gonna get them. Can if I'm going to play the game and score, well, now I have to make another war. I'm going to get down now. Well, then I have to build another war. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to destroy each right, and I'll do it in the way that the sheep won't fight. We'll pass a lot of laws like the Patriot Bill, then the Constitution Martial Law will kill. Let's roll! Everybody, let's roll! I'm not a dictator, but it'd be easier if I was. I'm gonna play the game and score, because I'm gonna build another war. I'm gonna have to make myself a war. Oh, oh Dave, you nailed it. I'm telling you, you just nailed it. Like I'm going to put some of these up on my website. Um, you Feel free. Feel free. It's See, that's why I was saying music and humor is something that they just can't deal with. They just uh -huh. can't, you know, and that was the whole thrust of the Power Hour radio show. Now, granted, when you're dealing with a subject, like, you know, as horrible as, as what happened on 9-11, on it's very difficult to inject humor into a documentary film. But that's why I combined it with music to create tunes like this, you know, and there's a bunch of them there. I had three albums of uh, bumper music that we had out when I was doing the radio show. We just picked a few of them and stuck them on the website. So you can find them if you go to davonkleist.com. Perfect. And the, and the skull and bones uh, one is, should I play that one too? It's only you a can. This, It's your show. <laughs> I'm going to have fun then. Listen to this, you guys. You both were members of Skull and Bones, a secret society at Yale. What does that tell us? Uh, not much, because it's a secret. <laughs> it's is, there a is there a secret code? I wish there were something secret I could manifest. 322, a secret number? Uh, there are all kinds of secrets, Tim, but one thing is not a secret. I disagree with this president's direction that he's taking the country. We can do a better job, and I intend to do it. And we'll be watching Be Safe on the Campaign Trail. John Kerry, thanks for joining us. You were both in Skull and Bones, the secret society. It's so secret we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? The conspiracy theorists are going to go watch. Gosh, they are. I don't know. I haven't seen the web. Number 322. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that was a song. 
No. I so some of these you. are clips. <laughs> no, it's just an audio clip. You see, but the thing is, I'm kind of glad that you played that because it points to the secret societies that John F. Kennedy was warning us about. Yep. And this is again, this is something that that people need to understand. And, and I want to reiterate: go to grand-jury.net and start watching the testimonials and the proceedings because they opened this can of worms. They got into the secret societies. They're following the money trail. They're following the bloodlines. They're following the bankers, the corporations who have all put together all of these atrocities, 9-11, uh, you 7-7, know, Oklahoma City bombing, the, the pandemic. All of it, all of them are connected. And mm. the grand-jury.net is, is blowing the lid off of it. Sorry. I'm trying to queue up our next, uh, our, our next in, incredible opportunity. Uh, Dave, uh, let's, let's, let's go into it. We've held our viewers uh, in suspense <laughs> long, long enough. Um, let's, let's set this up. This is, this is the ripple effect. And uh, you've, you've got it. It casts its own shadow. It has, right here but why is it so small let me let me increase the size of this for you guys nope hmm. i'll make it bigger we're going to start start that one over and here we are with ripple effect they play it. It goes full screen. It didn't go full screen. I don't know. They might be messing with it. I don't know. <laughs> you got a great. Well, that's the very beginning of the film. There. Yeah, we're gonna fast forward. Ah, I had this going. <laughs> How'd you first become aware of the um, the, the, the this appendage under the plane that we're going to be looking at? Um, well, like I said, uh, the the video footage that I had, um, and again, I have to assume that I was, you know. I was a very lucky individual to have access to all that video footage when it was, it had been pretty much banned uh, across the country. Um, and during those first couple of years after nine 11, there were all kinds of conspiracy theories coming out there, photographs about the Pentagon photographs, you know, of the towers uh, of the uh, explosions, et cetera, et cetera. And there were some, there were some photographs uh, the, the one that was taken by Evan Fairbanks that uh, Phil Jahan was referring to, uh, that led me to look through the video footage and see if I couldn't find confirmation on whether or not there was something attached to the belly of the plane. Now, the other thing <clears throat> was the flash. And that's something that, for some reason, a lot of people in the 9-11 truth community didn't want to talk about. And I, don't, I couldn't understand why. And they said, well, if you don't know what it is, you shouldn't talk about it. And I, my response, I mean, how do you respond to something like that? I said, if we don't talk about it, we'll never know what it is. But nonetheless, you know, there were some people that all of a sudden wanted the cancel culture mentality 
And I was the black sheep of the 9-11 community. I was called a pod person, you know, and, and so that all was all pushed to the side. It was, I, I was attacked by a popular mechanics magazine of all things. Um, and the thing is, is like I said, all I was doing is raising questions. I don't have answers. You know, some people say, oh, well, look, at if you really know the truth, you'd put it out there. So how am I supposed to know the truth? We're supposed to put all of our puzzle pieces together on, on yeah. the table and work together. But no, some people say, oh, well, my theory is the right one and you're wrong. Or oh, my theory is the right one and you're wrong. You know, oh, it was, you know, there are no planers or it was, you know, uh, uh, you know, new weaponry. You know, I mean, I don't know what it was, but I do know what using common sense which I know is illegal these days and in short supply, <laughs> but common sense told me that what I'm looking at is not consistent with the official story. Now, mm -hmm. one of the things that pissed people off was, you know, the idea that the, this is conspiracy theory. Okay. Word association. First word conspiracy. And what do you think of theory? All yeah. right. So how do you define that? Conspiracy defined is two or more people planning in secret. A theory is nothing more than an idea, a supposition, or a concept. In theory, if you buy a raffle ticket, you can win a prize. But if you don't buy a raffle ticket, the win remains theoretical. Once you buy one raffle ticket, it becomes a possibility. And the more raffle tickets you purchase, the more possible and eventually probable the win becomes. That's the yep. way it is with a conspiracy theory. When you have no evidence, it's a theory. But when you have one piece of evidence, no matter how flimsy or circumstantial, it becomes a possibility. And the more evidence that you amass, the more possible and eventually probable the conspiracy is. Now, if you apply that to the official story, Condoleezza Rice had said on September 18th, and I can quote this, we have definitive proof and evidence linking Osama bin Laden and the Taliban to the attacks on 9-11, and we will release this information in due time. That was on September 18th, 2001. And here we are 21 years after the fact, still waiting for the evidence. Yep. Now that makes the official story by definition, a conspiracy theory. However, yep. people who put forth photographic evidence, video evidence, and, and the stuff that we've got here, we're the bad, bad guys. We're the crazy conspiracy theorists. <laughs> The ones who are upsetting the the family members. Yeah, welcome to uh, 1984. You know, so yeah, and the FBI uh, never even had Osama bin Laden on their most wanted list for for the uh, the crimes of 9/11. No kidding. Not only that, but they listed Osama bin Laden as being left-handed. And when you see the video that was released shortly after 9-11, it was supposed to be Osama bin Laden taking responsibility for the 9-11 attacks. And here he is in this room and he's talking and he's doing this and he sits down with a pad of paper and he's writing something with his right hand. Whoa, wait a second. FBI said he was left-handed. And not only that, but this guy in the video sure looks like he gained a lot of weight, you know? So, I mean, they've been playing and screwing with our heads for a long time, trying to think outside of the cage. Yeah. So, well, we've got speaking of uh, evidence, Dave. I mean, it's it's right here in your film. Let's watch a couple of of these uh, witnesses and analysts about this appendage underneath 
the plane. Towards the front. Um, it definitely did not look like a commercial plane. The plane wasn't no uh, airline or anything. It was a twin-engine, big, gray plane. When I first saw the appendage on Flight 175, this extra piece of equipment, I was looking at the Evan Fairbanks footage, which is kind of bluish, and it's, it's from the underneath. It's off-centered on the fuselage. It's between the engines. It casts its own shadow. It has its own reflection. And when I, when I saw this, I, I thought somebody's had to have photoshopped this, and you know, I wanted to get other sources to, to make sure that it wasn't just a product of Photoshop. It was in all the CNN footage when you when you took their videos and, and did freeze frames. It, it was definitely a, a three dimensional piece of equipment. It definitely has nothing to do with Photoshop, and it shouldn't be there. Anybody can see the other piece of equipment right there in the center line on the starboard side of that fuselage. It, it can't be anything other than an external piece of equipment. Looking for more video evidence, you know, right at ground zero, uh, Deb Simon and I went down to New York City one day and uh, buying all the pictures from street vendors we could find, we found a picture, which I believe is, is Rob Howard's photograph, but it was a 35 millimeter print. And I, I was tickled because you could clearly see, you know, the appendage on the bottom. This is not normal for an aircraft. This is not normal for what we should be seeing on Flight 175. All the recorded sources, all the different photographic evidence uh, that was produced by CNN and, and ABC, they all show this pod. It, it's there. You can see it with your own eyes. And in my professional opinion, that, that there was a pot attached to that the bottom of that aircraft, and uh, therefore it was not United Airlines Flight 175. You know, I've actually, I've never seen the pictures that he's shown the things attached to the bottom of the plane. So I, I mean, if it's a commercial airliner, I don't understand why they would have anything attached to the bottom of the plane. That doesn't seem to okay. make any sense. One of the things that jumped out at me when I looked at the, uh, the footage of the video of uh, Flight 175 as it went into the uh, World Trade Center is it appeared to me that there was something on the under fuselage of that aircraft that did not belong there, at least not with a commercial airliner. Now, uh, I'll tell you where I have seen uh, uh, attachments that, that uh, look like that on military aircraft. So the question we have to answer now is, was that the commercial airliner that hit the World Trade Center? Or possibly was it an aircraft that looked very similar, but was a military-type uh, airplane? After compiling a lot of the, the photographs and, and a lot of video regarding Flight 175, and uh, there's some CNN footage that shows the whole side of the plane lighting up. And just as the aircraft is penetrating the World Trade Center, there's this bright anomalous event. It's like an orange flash, you know, off to the right of the fuselage. The bottom of that aircraft was exposed so that there was a large flash just prior to impact with the building. There was a large flash, so large that it lit up the side of the fuselage of that aircraft. It wasn't just a small spark. There's been some discussion of uh, just exactly what produced this this flash. Um, some of the have been uh, reflection or sparks or static discharge or, or possibly incendiary attached to the aircraft. This flash is produced in the shadow of the wing 
So I don't think it, it could have been a reflection um, as far as uh, the possibility of, of sparks uh, uh, during penetration. The uh, radome of, of the aircraft is a composite material. It's, it's, it's not uh, metal per se. The wings are metal. They didn't produce sparks as they penetrated. So I don't believe uh, it were sparks. As far as the static discharge, um, the 767, all aircraft have attached to the airframe what's called static wicks that are there to dissipate any static charges that could be produced on, on an aircraft in flight. In all my years of flying, the only time an aircraft has been statically charged is when you're, you're flying for extended periods in um, precipitation. September the 11th was a perfectly clear early fall day without any clouds in the sky, so I don't think these aircraft would have been statically charged by precipitation. And, uh, and the other item um, or possible explanation w would have been an incendiary. And uh, I, I do believe that this is what the source of the flash was. Uh, this flash um, is produced right in line um, where the uh, uh, pod was attached. Look at the footage in very slow motion. You can step through the footage um, with your pause tilt button on a DVD. And as this uh, aircraft penetrates, you see the enlarged torn area facade where this pod was attached. All this evidence indicates to me that it, uh, it was not a reflection or sparks or static discharge, but I think it was uh, an incendiary that was um, associated with the pod that was attached. Very interesting, don't you think? <laughs> Turn your mic back on. How about that? There you go. Yeah, the, <laughs> I need uh, the you, sound, Dave. The sound from the video was, was looping back through your microphone. So. Yeah, sorry about that. I usually turn it down pretty good. But, Dave, uh, th this, this is pretty extraordinary uh, evidence here. Um, you, you've got these experts agreeing that this is not an aberration of light or a reflection. In fact, there's one more expert we can talk about. I'll, I'll, I'll bring up the, um, the, the Amparo uh, Sacristan Carrasco analysis of this pod in a moment. But tell us, you know, what, what do you imagine that this means? Well, see, if I try to uh, answer that question, I become a theorist. Uh -huh. uh, I leave I leave that uh, a, a, that conclusion to people who are better in a position to be able to make a judgment on that. But what I can say, as a layman, as a regular guy, I mean, it, it appears that there's something attached to that plane. Okay, I cannot and will not say that it's a missile. I will not say it's a laser gun. I won't say it's anything. And like I told you off air, I don't care if it's Pee Wee Herman strapped up there with duct tape. It ain't supposed to be there. Okay. And the simple fact that whatever it is, it appears to be attached to the plane is directly in line with the flash. Now the flash, like I said, that's to me, that's like extremely important because we have it in, from four different angles on the South Tower 
And you can see that flash. Like I said, one of one of those uh, video clips clearly shows that the flash occurs not at the point of impact, and it shows that it happens before the impact. You could see a reflection of the flash on the fuselage of the plane. And like I said, we've got four different angles of the same event on the South Tower. So once we saw those four different angles, so, well, wait a second, let's go back to the footage of the first tower. And to that point, at that point, the only known footage was the Naudet brothers footage, uh, the firemen in the street, if you recall. And then, you know, the plane goes over and hits the North Tower and the guy's screaming, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> and if we, we took that video footage and slowed it down. And what do you know? It appears that there's a flash on the first tower hitting too, just before impact. And we've so, got that clip inside of this clip, do we not? Uh, no, you had it up there a little while ago. Uh, that's that's the Pentagon collapse, which you've got queued oh, oh, up there. Oh, sorry. I got it backwards. All right. Well, yeah, we, let's gonna... see. You, you had the uh, the montage. We, we, we did is we took the original uh, clips we played them at their normal speed, and then we slowed it down to 2%, frame yeah. by frame, so that you could see it, okay? And I know you got it there somewhere. You have a lot of faith. <laughs> well, you're like I am, you know. I, 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 uh, I'm not very adept at working my computer. Is it What? Oh, Okay. Yeah, they did an analysis of La Vanguardia in Barcelona. They they agreed that there was something appearing to be on the bottom of that plane. Yeah, so, we're going to actually. Uh, show could that. have been a number of things. It could That's have been. Clip, no, no uh, where where is that clip in Ripple Effect? Um, you no, know, I I sent it to you separately. You had it pulled up there a minute ago. Did you send that to me today? Um, no, I think I sent it to you a while ago, and you just had it up there a minute or two ago. Then, uh, I thought you were going to play it, but yeah. Well, I'm wondering if I lost it. Tell us what. Tell us about the clip. It's, well, it I'm says uh, angle one, uh, speed one hundred percent, and there's no audio to it. Um, let's see. Uh, I see you clicking through. You had it there. What's in your first screen? Go to, go to the left again. We, no. we have that one. We're going to show that one in a minute. We have the bumpers. <laughs> hmm. We're coming up on the top of the hour. Does it, do you have a top of the hour break or how does that work here for you? We don't do breaks. We don't give oh, our guests okay. any any breaks. Oh, I'm so used to commercial radio. It's just, you know, it's my knee-jerk reaction. Uh-oh. You know, we're coming up at <laughs> the top of the hour. Time for the news break. It's not this one. Um, I'm, Is I'm, it in I'm, Ripple Effect? I, well, it was in Ripple Effect, yeah. But I'm just saying I sent you a separate file with just those clips of the flash. All right. You're challenging me now. But no, it's they've already shown that. I mean, we can go through it if you want to, but they already but, showed it. Who's what do you mean? Well, we were just watching it. That's what they were talking about. The the pod and the flash. The flash we is the, the North, important thing. We saw the North Tower? No, we didn't see that one yet. Okay. Well, that's the one I'm that's the one you emailed me, right? Uh yeah, I sent that to you uh yeah, some time ago. 
And that was an, an attachment, right? Yep. All right. Well, Dave, okay, tell us about this journey after I you can. made this film. And I'm going to find what, what we're looking for here. But tell us about your journey having made this film. Give me, give me a little time here. Well, oh. well, like I said, I, I realized that I was probably the only you know repository in the country that had access to all the footage. So that's why I came up with 9-11 Ripple Effect. Now, I got to back up a few years before the 9-11 attack. Um, Joyce and I were the American Gulf War Veterans Association. Uh, after the first Gulf War, many vets came home very sick, exposed to chemicals, biologicals, experimental vaccines, you name it. And so uh, we were making a lot of friends in the military. And uh, so, you know, so keeping that in mind, when 9-11 uh, in plain sight was released, of course, it made a huge splash. It was on television in Europe. It was on in Australia. It was on in Japan. Um, and I was understandably attacked. I mean, with a name like Von Kleist. Oh, you, he's got to be a Nazi, you know? Oh, yeah, I was a skinhead. I was a Nazi. I was a CIA mole. I was a Manchurian candidate. Uh, Joyce Riley was my handler. Uh, I was a Mossad agent. I mean, you wouldn't believe what people were. A skinhead Nazi Mossad agent. How you figure on that one, you know? And then there were people saying, oh, he's he's part of controlled opposition. He's putting out misinformation. If you knew the truth, he'd put it all out there. So how am I supposed to know what the truth is? You know, I mean, come on, people. You know, and there are people who want to sow division in every movement. And, you know, no matter what your issue is, you want to talk about Oklahoma City, Waco, chemtrails, 9-11, I don't care. Every single movement is infiltrated. And the, the division is you know, it is created and people fight amongst themselves. And, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with that. So uh, after 9-11 ripple effect came out, um, things got very strange. Um, I ended up, well, you know, I was co-hosting the power hour with Joyce and uh, Joyce and I started to basically move, go in separate directions. Um, she was have, you know, enjoying a tremendously successful business. And mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, I, I think that the money basically uh, in the success there it is there it is that's the one that's it yeah 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 okay there you go but <laughs> i think what happened is, is is you know money and success does things to people and uh and it's just my feeling was that we were losing sight of the mission oh. so uh anyway joyce and i separated it wasn't pretty uh i got thrown under the bus and she pulled the plug i wasn't on the radio show anymore unfortunately my mom was going through dementia I had to get her in a nursing home so all this stuff all came crashing down. And I said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out of here. Somebody invited me to go to South America, to Argentina and hang out for a while. So that's where I went. Oh, that was um, Argentina. I thought it was Central America. Okay. No, it was Argentina. So, uh, but like I said, but then that turned out to be a <laughs> quite an adventure in itself. Another uh, chapter in my book of life. But uh, um no, like I said, my only concern always was and always will be just getting the truth out there. And if you allow yourself to be corrupted by love of money, material possessions, ego strokes, accolades, you know, plaques and, and statues. And I don't give a rat's ass about any of that stuff. I don't care about the money. It's not about the money. You know, if if I was a vengeful person pursuing the dollar, I would have gone right back on the air after I got booted off the power hour. 
You know, yeah. it's just, it's not about that. And if people are in it for the money or all that stuff, they're in it for the wrong reasons and they're doing more damage than good. So yeah. that's my feeling. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Like well, how'd you end up in Kalispell, Montana? Like, like two hours for me, Dave. We're like me. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, my daughter moved here about eight or nine years ago. She is also a musician, world-class, I must say. Um, and she came up here for some productions. As you're uh, probably aware, the, the town that I'm in has a couple of very, very nice theaters. And people fly in from Nashville, L.A., New York, and they put together some really high-class, world-class shows. Oh. So Erica had been working uh, in New York and doing Broadway and playing at Lincoln Center and doing all this wonderful stuff. She came up here to do a couple of shows and she said, Hey, this, this is nice. So she moved here and, uh, I came for a couple of visits and third time, as they say, three's a charm. So uh, I stayed. So this is where I'm at. And there's so. some wonderful Patriots up there. I came to Kalispell and spoke. We had about a hundred people there. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, they, they are still on fire in Kalispell and throughout Montana. I've spoken in four or five different cities in Montana. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're among uh, some good people in the great American redoubt. Yeah, I'm lucky to be here. It's a good place to be. You know, I've lived all over the country and there's a lot of beautiful spots and everything. But I, I kind of like it here in the Northwest. It's, it, it doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm real happy here myself. All right, well, let's, let's see what we got here. Uh, okay, here we are. <clears throat> okay, now, like I was time. mentioning, there are four different angles, and I I'll can walk you through on this if you want to head and go ahead and start it. The first angle we're going to look at in real time. We all saw this. Uh, oh, well, that went by quick. Okay, now here we are slowing it down super slow-mo, 2% speed. Okay, and as you can see... There's a question on whether or not something's attached to the belly of the plane, but look to the right just before the nose hits. Here it comes. And. Oh, what happened? It skipped. It jumped. Well, it's playing. Uh, oh, that's your Internet. Uh, I'm uh, watching okay. it real time on my side. OK, fine. All right. Angle two. Again, we look at it in real time and it goes by so quickly. All right. Now we look at it, the same clip again, at 2% speed. And again, look for the flash. The flash occurs just to the right of the contact point of the nose of the plane. Okay. Yeah. So we're two for two. All right. Now here's angle number three. Again, we see it in, in real time. And now we look at it at 2%. Now, this is probably the, the lowest quality, uh, but you could still see the flash. Here it comes. And I don't know. Could you, did you see it? I, the, it's a little jumpy on my end. I'm sure you got a good, clean uh, feed. Yeah, I saw it on all four. Okay. And here's the most important angle. Here it is. When you look at this in 2% speed, and you can even pause it if you want, the plane comes in, and the flash is to the right of the fuselage, reflecting off the fuselage. Look at that. Right there. I mean, that's it, extraordinary. That is extraordinary. It's not where the nose of the plane hits. It's to the right of the nose, and it's directly in line with whatever the hell it is that we thought was attached to the belly of the plane. This a, requires our attention. 
But this <laughs> issue has been swept under the rug and ignored. And anybody like myself who brings this up was ridiculed and demonized and canceled and blah, 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 blah. Okay? I'm just asking the question. I don't know what the hell that is. But whatever it is, it's not a box cutter. <laughs> okay? Now, let's continue. No. Now, those are the four different clips that we had from the uh, uh, the South Tower. Now, now let's, wait a let's, let's just notice that in, in this view, it's clearly a circle of light. Yeah. Uh, which is very interesting. Uh, that's not, that, that, that tells me it's, well, tells my unskilled, inexperienced in these matters uh, self that that is, Almost like a, a beam of light uh, rather than some kind of in, incendiary or missile or something. Uh, it is a diameter that is even larger, perhaps, than the aircraft. At least it looks so in this view. It didn't in the others. So I and and it's it's actually hmm, it. Uh, what was I going to say? In, in in the others, it looks smaller. So it didn't look like some kind of explosion paving the way for the entry of the plane into the building. So I, and, and it's just not big enough to produce the kind of flash. Uh, I mean, uh, explosion that we saw as a result of the plane hitting the building. So I'm at a loss as to explain it. I'm just fumbling. Well, that's just it. This is exactly why we need to discuss this. Uh -huh. Okay. But this subject was, was rendered taboo. You're not supposed to talk about it. You're not supposed to bring it up. And when I released 9-11 in plain sight, um, there were a lot of people in the 9-11 truth movement that were applauding my efforts. But this one particular issue, for some reason, was twisting the chain of some of the 9-11 truthers out there. And like I said earlier, they were saying, well, Dave, you don't try to explain what it is. If you don't know what it is, you shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> and, and so, you know, so they basically were saying, well, you have to take that out of your video. If you don't know what it is, you're going to discredit the movement. Take it away. We don't want to talk about it. And I refuse to take it out. Now, I will mention that right. Uh, okay. 9-11 in plain sight came out in 04 uh, in the summer of 04. At the same time, I was in touch with Dylan Avery. He was just finishing up his documentary on 9-11. And it was called Loose Change. Now, Joyce and I had a very popular radio show. We had a, a fulfillment center, a 1-800 number. We had people who were pick, packing and shipping. We were ready to help Dylan distribute, you know, 9-11 Loose Change. But unfortunately, he decided that he wanted to take it, pull it back and do a re-edit and release it as Loose Change Second Edition. Now, when the second edition came out, it was different than the first edition. The first edition addressed the flash and the pod right off the bat. That was the first thing he talked about. And after he went and re-edited it and took that whole issue out, he took out the flash and the pod and wouldn't talk about it. And he said that he took it out because of time restraints. However, my own personal opinion judging from who the you know people that I was was talking to in the 9/11 movement and my experience with people in the 9/11 movement who didn't want this discussed okay they really gave me a hard time about keeping it in my film but I have pretty thick skin I've been at this for a long time 
I can't help but co to come to the assumption that the same pressure was applied to Dylan, which would explain why he took it out and never mentioned it. So okay. I don't know. I can't say one way or the other. Dylan says he took it out for uh, time restraints, but I can't help but think that this piece of evidence, I mean, your opinion, Richard, you've been going through this for a long time. Uh, a scale of one to 10, how important would you say this piece of evidence is? Well, I, I, I'd say it's it's real important. And the, the bulge proves that it's not a, a, a civilian airliner mm -hmm. or that it was in a, a modified civilian airliner, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the flash, um, it's all speculation as we're doing well, yeah. here today, but the, and, and, you know, you had a witness there that said it was a gray plane. Uh, right. I, Ricky DeSantis is another witness, uh, that says it's a gray plane without any windows. Right. I mean, along the side and, and there's other witnesses of a gray plane. Are you familiar with, uh, with any of them offhand? Mark Birnbaum from Fox news. Oh. Uh, was reporting that it was a great big uh, gray plane. Uh, there was a clip of a, of a gentleman that you already played uh, where he said it was a big twin engine gray plane. Um, and there was another clip, as a matter of fact, uh, a woman on the Brooklyn Bridge. There was a video clip that was taken right after the first tower was hit. And this woman was screaming, that was not an American Airlines. It was not an American Airlines. Wow. Okay. There were people in New York that were listening to the radio and the radio was saying, well, apparently an American airliner smashed into the tower and people were right there saw it. They were saying that was not an American Airlines. That was a great big gray plane. So, of course, all of those witnesses testimony were, were ignored, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I do want to be honest, Richard, when it comes to witness testimony, I can only put so many eggs in those baskets because witnesses can be wrong. Uh, they can be incorrect. They can be uh, influenced or paid off. So witness testimony, that's all well and good and everything. But I prefer to go on the hard evidence, photographic evidence, video evidence, physical evidence. And, you know, like I said, the evidence that's out there challenges the official story. And it actually, you know, the evidence that's out there also implies <clears throat> that certain, uh, shall we say, plots or plans from long ago may have been instituted. And I'm referring to Operation Northwoods. Uh -huh. Operation Northwoods, uh, the Joint Chiefs of the uh, staff had a plan. This is during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, this is back in, in 62, I think it was, where they were going to take uh, uh, military aircraft, airliners, and paint them to look like commercial airliners and then what they would do is that a commercial airliner would take off from a location and it would fly over an air base and it would drop down just as a replacement came up. And I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm saying that's what possibly happened because two of these planes on 9-11 went right by Stewart Air Force, uh, Air Force Base in upstate New York, which had been pretty much mothballed. So huh. it is possible that these planes were switched. Now, I'm not saying they were switched. That would make me a conspiracy theorist. All I'm saying, it's the possibility that they were switched. And we'll never know unless we explore that possibility and investigate it. So. Makes sense. Let's keep going. Okay. Oh, yeah. Now, here comes a clip from the North Tower. 
We've just seen four video clips of the flash of uh, Flight 175, or we were told 175, hitting the South Tower. Now, was this a strange anomaly? Let's go to the North Tower, the only known footage that we've got. We've all seen this. Okay. Now, this is interesting. Because if we want confirmation of whether or not there was a flash with the South Tower, we need to look at the North Tower. Here we go, 2%. I realize it's very fuzzy, but look for a flash. Watch the shadow come up from the bottom of the plane as it approaches the tower. There's a flash. And then the plane hits the tower. Now, are we sure that the flash happened before the hit? Let's run the video footage in reverse. Okay. So let's see here. Okay, now this is slow motion. Here's the North Tower being hit. Watch carefully, frame by frame. You see the shade of the plane, uh, the uh, shadow. And okay. just before it hits, there's, there's the flash. And then the plane hits. Now, are we sure that the flash happened before the impact? Let's look at it in reverse. You see the plane back out of the tower frame by frame, okay, and watch the shadow. When the shadow is clear, there it is, and there's the flash. So the flash happens before the plane hits the tower. Yep. At least that's my conclusion. Anybody else wants flash, to do yeah. analysis, I'm open to it, okay? Yeah, it so is a bigger flash. This is why I'm saying this flash is extremely important. And to this point, you know, in time, 20 years after the fact, it's only now people are starting to pay attention to it. I feel vindicated. Thank you very much. <laughs> Seriously, yes. Richard, I mean, you remember, I, when did I meet you, what, 15 years ago? Remember, we were in yeah. Kansas City at the uh, Uptown Theater. Yeah. Yeah, it was you and me and Tex Mars and Joyce. Uh, who else was there? Um, I don't know, but, but you know, it would... This was something that I was screaming about back then. And nobody wanted to talk about it, you know? So anyway, like I said, I feel vindicated now. Yeah. Mm. You're, you, uh, you've done the work here. We just uh, don't know what to make of it. So we, we uh, sort of put it on the shelf. I mean, it's, 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 Although it seems to be among the body of evidence that suggests that these planes were not uh, civilian aircraft. But Dave, if you don't know what happened to the passengers, then you shouldn't be showing this evidence. <laughs> I heard that one so many times. All right. Well, here's an analogy for you. Okay. And because I get that all the time, you know, where are the passengers? What happened to those people? If you can't tell me where those people went, then you're lying. You're, you're, you're this and you're that. Wait a second. Let's say that you're in New York City and you're going to put a loved one on a bus to Boston. So you take them to the Greyhound bus terminal. You put them on a Greyhound bus. You wave goodbye to them as they leave the Greyhound bus terminal off on its Greyhound way to Boston. Well, a few hours later, we interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. A boss, a, a, a Greyhound bus skidded out of control as it entered the city of Boston, exploded, and all were killed. Oh, my God, that's terrible. If you have a loved one on that Greyhound bus, you want to know what happened. 
Well, lo and behold, shortly afterwards, somebody shows up with a video of the actual crash. But this bus says trailways. Wait a minute. Where'd the Greyhound bus go? I don't know. Where'd those people go? I don't know. But the video shows a trailways bus. Don't blame me. It's, you know, this is why I'm saying these people who say, well, if you don't know what happened to those passengers, you know, what's wrong with your brain? Look at the video <laughs> footage, you know, and something is screaming that what we were told is wrong. We, we, what we were told is a lie. Look at the video footage. Use your brain. Think for yourself, you know, and this, and this is, you know, we get this all the time. You know, all the time. So if they say, if you don't know where the passengers are, then shut up. <laughs> yeah. Okie dokie. You know, <laughs> cheers. Well, Have a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now let's let's look at this. Um, before we move on, this, this is a Spanish photography expert that two Spanish journalists took your film your movie and this footage uh, of these planes too. And they said, can you determine if this is a physical object under the plane? <clears throat> and um, they did, she did a lot of analysis. She did algorithms to detect the contour along the directions of the gradient, appro approximating the first derivative function of the image. Uh, it's kind of technical. It's only a few pages though. And she compared, uh, a, a, a normal airplane and, and, and did the same analysis on, an, on a normal airplane. What are the conclusions? Um, the same analysis has been, has been performed on several images. The selected images are fragments of photos from the attack on September 11th and on a Boeing 767-300. The study images are taken from different angles of observation. The detected cylindrical objects cannot be due to shadows caused by the angle of incidence of the sun on the plane mm -hmm. because they always appear to be the same shape and size, though with varying luminosity. The detected objects have varying luminosity around them because they are in relief. This is the only possible explanation. Mm -hmm. The detected objects are clearly distinct from the landing gear. Amparo Sacristan Carrasco, professor at the University School in Barcelona, Spain, 2003. Mm -hmm. well, very interesting and evidentiary. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I'm saying, you know, things like this, if they don't fit, uh, fit the official narrative, well, then they need to be ignored. And we're seeing that today with all of the stuff about COVID and the vaccines and about graphene oxide and spike proteins, you know, I mean, if you're not, oh, I know, <laughs> sorry. You're, you're going to lose. Toes. <laughs> I got one strike against my YouTube channel. I probably have two now. Oh, Thanks, dear. Oh, dear. Now, yeah, it's not I, like I'm trying to censor myself. I interviewed Dr. Andrew Kaufman. I interviewed Dr. Uh, Rashid Batar. They are experts in this stuff, and they went into detail, but I didn't put it up on YouTube. I went straight to BitChute, and then from there, we have this wonderful service that it goes out to 12 other platforms. It's pretty incredible. 
I'm getting a sense that uh, there are questions out there, and it's based on evidence, Dave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm seeing some of these questions. So we're going to bring in uh, Ms. Gail Gage, who's been collecting these uh, questions, and I'll bet she's got some great ones for you. Hello, Gail. Oh, you're 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 uh, muted. We're gonna we're gonna hear from you. You've got some questions, huh? I sure do. Hey, yes. are you ready, Dave? Sure. Okay, you guys ask your tough questions of Dave. If you're on Facebook and YouTube. Okay, this first question asks. Was 9-11 in plain sight produced before Loose Change, the first edition? Both videos mention the flashes of light just before the plane crashes in New York. Who made these discoveries first? Okay, um, I I just touched upon that. Coincidentally, I just mentioned that. Uh, No, 9-11 in plain sight came out before Loose Change. Before the first edition. Right behind it, okay. Um, Before the first edition, right, Dave? Well, yeah, yeah. In Plain Sight was first. Okay. Okay. Then, like I said, I was in touch with Dylan Avery, uh, and he was working with Jason um, uh, uh, Burmas. Thank you, Jason Burmas. The two of them were working together on on Loose Change. And, uh, you know, we were talking about distributing their video uh, through the Power Hour, you know, because they were dovetailing with what I had just done. So, and as far as I'm concerned... You know, if I see another 9-11 researcher or another radio broadcaster or another truth teller, I see them as teammates. I see see them as comrades. We're working on the same on the same team. Okay, some people see that the other way. They see it as competition. Now, I'm not saying that Dylan you know saw it that way, but there were some radio broadcasters that did. But the bottom line here is that yeah, I wanted to help Dylan to get that out there. So we were in touch, uh, and again, this was the summer of uh, uh, 2004, and had just come out with 9-11 in plain sight. We were in touch with Dylan to help that get distributed, but then he pulled back. And that's, you know, like I said, then all of a sudden, Loose Change wasn't available anymore. And then several months later, he came out with Loose Change Second Edition. And the Second Edition had deleted the flash and the pot. And that okay. for whatever reason, it wasn't there anymore. So uh, he, like I said, D- Dylan said it was time restraints. My gut told me that he was uh, maybe pressured into taking it out, you know. Okay. And it's just coincidental because when, once Loose Change Second Edition came out, his was the video. He was the 9-11 guy, okay. In plain sight, took the back seat, and he was, uh, and, and not that I, I felt hurt. I didn't get butt hurt because of my ego. No, I don't care about that. I'm just glad that the truth was getting out there. I just found it interesting that he felt it necessary to take out the issue about the flash and the pot. Because, yes, okay. it's very controversial. So hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Okay, the next question is, a high explosive produces high temperatures. The thermal effect is usually seen as a bright flash of light. Can we conclude that explosives were used in both the attacks in New York? Um, You can conclude if you want to. I will consider it. Okay. I'm sort of definitive conclusion. Um, I can't jump on board and say it was explosives. That's what it was. You know, 
Oh, it was high directed energy weapons. That's what it was. It was a laser. That's what it was. It's a missile. That's what it was. I'm not going to go there because when I go there, I become a conspiracy theorist and I am not a theorist. I ask questions that some people don't want asked. So, awesome. Got it. Okay. The next, sense. it does, Dave. Thank you. Good answer. The next question is the remnants of flight 175 exiting the South tower leaves a white smoke trail high above all other heavier material. I speculate that smoke trail has something to do with the pod. Any thoughts? Yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts about it. You know, I mean, if it was a missile, maybe that's a trail from that going out the other side. If it was a pod, maybe that's a piece of it going out the other side. I don't know what it was. And I, I, I don't I feel that some people want to condemn me because I refuse to, you know, put supposedly all the truth out there. There was somebody who commented on uh, uh, one of your uh, chats earlier today. Um, and there are, there are a lot of people that think the same way that, you know, if, if you put out 90% of the truth, that means you're hiding 10%. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait a second. I only have 90%. I want the other 10%, you know, you're hiding it. You're a controlled opposition. That's what you are. Oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play music now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a lot of questions like that. All right. The next question uh, says, question for Dave. NIST mentions both flashes in the report on the Twin Towers when they review the videos of the plane crashes. NIST never explains what caused these flashes. Did you know that? Did you know that NIST has that in the report? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> You know, I, I wanted to see if I might be able to, you know, enroll them in a course on how to find your butt with two hands. OK, I mean, there you don't you don't find what you don't look for. I mean, Richard, you know, as well as I do, that the 9-11 Commission never even mentioned Building 7. I mean, it was, it was like it didn't happen. Why do you suppose that is? OK, so. The 9-11 Commission, you know, I mean, they deleted all this stuff. They deleted uh, William, uh, um, William, uh, not William Lewis, William Rodriguez's testimony. Okay. He got canceled. Yeah. Okay. A lot of this information got totally swept under the rug, you know. So am I supposed to have all kinds of faith in the NIST? Oh, by the way, wasn't it the NIST to put together a, an a, a, a animation of what happened when the plane barreled into the Pentagon and how it took out the support columns. And I looked at this video and it's on the 9-11 ripple effect. I'm sure you've seen it. Okay. They show in slow motion. Again, this is a computer animation, very graphic of the plane coming into the Pentagon. And it shows how the fuselage and the wings took out all these support columns. Wait a minute. How can the wings take out the support columns how can the engines and the landing gear and all that? And they show uh, this is why the collapse happened, because the plane took out all the support columns. This would be a perfect time to show the video clip of the collapse, Richard, if you've got it queued up. Because oh, whatever the happened in the Pentagon, again, the, the event occurred, uh, what was it, at 9.32, I think it was, something like that. Uh, whatever hit the Pentagon at that time. So firefighters and first responders got there. Videographers were there. Okay, folks, watch here. 
Look, look, look. Yeah, look at this. This video footage is the actual collapse that didn't happen until 32 minutes, or I'm sorry, 28 minutes after the event. You can go ahead okay. and let it go. Only five seconds. Here you go. Here we go. Carefully. Remember, we were told that a plane slammed into the Pentagon and created that big hole we saw the photographs of. How do you explain this right here? That's the collapse that didn't occur till 28 minutes after the event. Put your thinking caps on, folks. Connect the dots. We are lied right to there. again. That's all you really need. I'm sure you've all seen the uh, photographs, the photographs that were taken at the Pentagon before the collapse. We've all seen them. The guy standing there with his hands on his hips looking right at the Pentagon, and the, the collapse had not occurred yet. And when you look at the surrounding area, there's nothing on the lawn. There is a hole on the first floor, approximately 16 feet. But, I mean, we're talking about a commercial airliner. We're talking about a huge piece of equipment with landing gear, titanium uh, uh, engines. How does a plane go into a 16-foot hole? Now, some people come out and say, oh, well, there are wit witnesses and witnesses and witnesses. Okay, let's put the witness issue aside for now. Just look at the video, the video and photographic evidence. And I don't care what witnesses say for the same reasons I mentioned before. Witnesses can be wrong. They can be misled. They can be lying. They can be paid off. I don't know. I look at the photographic and video evidence and say, what the hell? Okay. Pictures show a small hole with no wreckage. The video footage clearly shows the collapse happening almost a half an hour after whatever happened happened. So, these are the questions that I raise. Say, okay, look at if there was a 757 or whatever the heck it was, where's the wreckage? Where's the evidence to support that contention? There isn't any. Okay. We have evidence that indicates that something else happened. Something else hit the Pentagon. Now, I'm not going to allow myself to get back to the corner because somebody's going to say, well, you have to tell me what that was or you shut up. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Let's talk about it. No, we can't talk about it because you're wrong and you're a conspiracy theorist, neo-Nazi skinhead Mossad agent. And you're a racist <laughs> and an Islamophobe. And we have to cancel you. All right. Okay. Have your coffee and prepare for the next one, Dave. Are we having right. fun yet? Yeah. I think so. All right. The next question. On 9-11, more than one person mentions that there were bombs on board the planes. What do you think about the possibility that explosives were on board the planes that were used? Sure. Why not? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that could be. But you stop and think about it. Okay, this is where we start to get really diabolical. We start to think outside of the cage. Okay. Now, let's back things up a little bit to the late 90s. Historically speaking, who were the big world superpowers in the 90s? Any guesses? Russia? Well, we got, yeah, and the U.S. China. and, China. and not, China. Not China. Not yet. Well, I mean, China, well, let's, let's look at it this way. We got three superpowers, Russia, China, U.S., okay? At the, in the 90s, the Russia, Russia's just trying to recover from a total collapse, if you recall. The, the wall had come down, and they're, 
they're they're bumping along trying to get their proverbial fecal matter together, right? <laughs> so Russia, and we didn't have any beef with Russia at that time. And as far as China's concerned, just go to Dollar General or Walmart. That's like our biggest trading partner, okay? So what type of threat for world war was there in the late 90s? Answer, none really, okay? So let's keep that thought in mind. Put that over here. So now we stop and think, what's the biggest business in the world? Some people would say oil. Some people say, oh, big pharma. Some people say technology. I contend that the biggest business is military contracting. Exactly what Eisenhower warned us about. Because military contracts encompass everything. Textiles, communication, oil, pharmaceutical, you name it. Everything is involved in military contracting. So these military contractors make money from, which is it, peace or war? Hmm. <laughs> okay, so we all know the answer to that question. So here we have a world situation where there's no real threat of war. China's our big buddy, and Russia is just recovering from the collapse. There's no threat of war. No threat of making all that money through military contracts. So are the military, military contracts feeling financially secure or financially insecure? Common sense answer, okay? Yep. They want a war. They love war. They lust for war. Take that concept and put it on this burner. Now we got two burners going. <laughs> now, let's go to the EPA in 1999. The EPA went to the Port Authority, uh, which owned the Trade Center, and they said to the Port Authority, um, guess what? You got a couple really dirty buildings loaded up with asbestos. You have to clean that up and we'll give you 10 years to do it. Holy crap, Batman. How are you going to deal with removing asbestos from the girders and the framework of the Trade Center? Well, and the floors and the ceilings and the pipework. Yes. How it, are you going to deal with billion that? $5 billion job. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's a real, real problem. So how are we going to deal with that? Let's put that issue and put it on this burner. Now we got three burners going. Okay. Okay. Now let's look at the occupancy rate of the Trade Center. At that time, in 2000, 2001, they enjoyed 65% occupancy. That, according to William Rodriguez, my good buddy, who worked in the Trade Center since 91. 65% occupancy. That means 35% of the office space was vacant. They were bleeding, hemorrhaging money. So let's put that in another burner. Now all four burners are percolating. So we have a dirty building, okay? We have a military industrial complex that is lusting for war. Okay, so we got all of these things going on. And then the project for the new American century comes out, spelling out what the, the powers that be wanted in the Middle East for the coming century. And they said, and I'm sure you're aware of it, they required a, quote, Pearl Harbor event to galvanize the American people to justify a military action in the Middle East. Hmm. So they want war, they got to get rid of these buildings, and they need to do so in such a way, I mean, what are they going to do with these dirty buildings? They can't dismantle the building. They can't take it apart. 
that you can't just blow it up like a, a, an old, you know, sports stadium or a hotel. We've seen that all the time. What happened to the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas? They blew it up and took it down. What happened to this arena? They blew it up and take it down. So we got these two huge freaking monolithic towers in downtown Manhattan. What are they going to just blow them up and turn them down? No, they can't do that. But that's the only way to get rid of all that asbestos and those two buildings. How are we going to get rid of these buildings? Oh, my gosh. What if there was a terrorist attack? Yeah, that's it. We can blame those turban heads, the towel heads in the Middle East. Yeah, that's it. We'll blow up the buildings and take them down. Well, wait a second. We can't blow them up. We, we need to have some sort of a reason for those buildings to blow up. Uh, a terrorist attack. Yeah, fly planes into them. And we'll, co and we'll coordinate the, the explosive charges to go off after the planes hit. Then we can say that the planes did it, the terrorists did it. We get rid of the towers. We get to go into the Middle East. We get to, to feed the military-industrial complex. Oh, what a joyous occasion. Does that all make sense, folks? Yeah. So this is why you I'm saying your... if you're going to prove a crime, any, any lawman or investigator will tell you you need motive, means, and opportunity. Okay? From what I've just explained to you, I'm sure you can see the motive why people would want to get rid of those towers. Oh, and let's not forget that Larry Silverstein purchased the towers from the Port Authority six months before 9-11 and insured them against a ter ter uh, terrorist attack. How six coincidental weeks. was that? Yeah. So we got motive. They had the means, obviously, and they just created their own opportunity. So, yeah, I'm thinking outside of the cage on this one, and I suggest the listeners out there put the puzzle pieces together and realize that, you know, they had more of a reason to blow up those, those buildings than any towelhead terrorist Taliban guy. So I hope that answers your question. I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> it's Brilliant. All good. Thanks for that, it's Dave. It's all good, Yes. All right. This is a, the next question is, I watch a lot of May Day slash air crash investigations, and that plane is in a severe bank angle. We need some pilots to talk about the maneuvering char characteristics we witness. Thoughts? So he's asking your thoughts about that. Okay. Um, well, when the, uh, after the 9-11 in plane sight video came out, as I explained earlier, uh, yes, I was attacked. I was ridiculed and all this. But at the same time, I was being contacted from people in the military that I had known in the years previous to the 9-11 attack because of the Gulf War Vets Association. So, so I had lots of military people coming up basically to my defense and saying, well, you know, you're asking some serious questions. And I said, well, yeah, you want to talk about it? And they said, sure. So that's why I started the 9-11 Ripple Effect Project and going to the, to the experts, uh, Colonel George Nelson from the Pentagon, uh, 25 years identifying aircraft and aircraft parts, uh, General Albert Stubblebine, who was in charge of photo analysis for like 25 years. So I, I went to the, uh, the experts. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry, Gil, what, what was the part of the, the, other part of the question? Uh, he says, um, let's see, get back to it. He says that he watches a lot of May Day slash aircraft investigations, and he's suggesting that we need some oh. pilots to talk about the maneuvering characteristics we, we right. witnessed. 
Okay. Well, in the video that you that Richard was showing a few minutes ago, Glenn Stanish, who's an airline pilot, was one of the people that I interviewed. And he, along with Russ Wittenberg, who is also in the 9-11 ripple effect, Russ Wittenberg was the pilot who normally flew Flight 175, but he just happened to be off that day. Lucky for him. But he both he and Glenn Stanish both testified and both, you know, both said the same thing is that these planes had to have been expertly maneuvered to hit their targets, especially after, you know, disappearing uh, off a radar, having their transponders turned off. How the hell are you going to find New York City alone when you're halfway across Pennsylvania and you got to turn around and find your way back to New York without any electronic help? <laughs> and oh, then so that's a, that transponder is two way then, huh, Dave? Well, yeah, that's the way I understood it. They shut that whole thing off. So these planes were, you know, were virtually disappeared, you know. So both Russ Wittenberg and uh, Glenn Stanish both said with all their years of expertise, there's no way at that speed they could have, number one, located a target to hit in New York. And even if you did locate it, hitting it would have been a challenge at that speed. It had to have been done by some precise uh, technology, etc. And that in itself lends itself to the theory that these were not the commercial aircraft, that they were substituted and that they were being controlled like a drone. So, I, I mean, I can't answer one way or the other. I'm just laying out what my opinion is based upon the, the photographic evidence and also the testimony of some of the experts I talked to. Yeah. Awesome. Well, here's a very different question that is very relatable to you. Uh, the question is, can we organize some rock and roll artists for a lineup of rock anthems for truth? Do you have any favorite rock anthems or maybe even rock ballads that keep you inspired? Oh, well, I suppose it would be a, for somebody else to make that judgment. I do have three albums of Politically Incorrect in your face, you lying <laughs> son of a bitch government music. And you can find them all on YouTube. And like I said, it's out there for free. Um, if you go to my website, davevonkleist.com, there are samples of the music there. Um, and you can, like I said, go to YouTube and just listen to them. Um, if you go to eBay, yeah, you can buy it, but I have no idea who's selling it. I mean, if somebody wants to say, oh, he's in it for the money. Yeah, right. I get nothing, zero from any sales of the videos, any sales of CDs. I get nothing and I don't care. So don't try to tell me I'm about the money. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. This, this one here, uh, oh. skull and bones, the bumpers. Is this uh, uh, fifty-eight seconds of of what? No, that you played that earlier. That was uh, uh, Jim uh, Jim Carrey and George Bush talking about m being members of Skull and Bones in uh, Yale. That's oh, okay. that's an audio speaking clip. Okay. Um, what are you looking for? You want some musical comedy, eh? Yeah, plunder. That's a I, uh, keep going. A I, tell you what. Uh, Scroll down. Let me see what else you got. Dictator USA, a blow smoke, <laughs> smoke in your eyes. There you go. My administration. That's a short one. Go up. Number nine. There it is. My administration. <laughs> 
people try always always put me down because the things I say are not real smart. I got these guys to help help me lead this nation. Talking about my the guys I work with, my administration, baby. We start. That's, that's <laughs> shifted the blame and put it on Sadiq Hussein. Hussein. Media perpetuate the terrorization. Hey, I said it so we can pass draconian legislative legislative bad laws. <laughs> oh, that's. Too I haven't heard that one in a long time. Yeah, again, see, this was bumper music coming back from the commercial break, and I would put this on. To set the stage for whatever topic that we were going to be discussing. And, yeah, uh, and I love like it. Earlier, they can't stand it when you point and laugh at them. They just yes. can't. So, yes, so we need to do more of that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Gail, any more questions? There is. There's another one. Um, the flashes are of importance, in my opinion, and I commend you for bringing them to our attention. Do you think that because you are pointing out this truth, you are or were attacked? Uh, well, I was targeted. Um, I was certainly, you know, like I said, when I brought this out in 2004, um, yeah, I mean, th there was just so many different attacks. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was on, uh, CNN with Glenn Beck. Uh, did I send you that video clip? I don't know if I sent that one to you or not. Um, but, but yeah, I, I was called, you know, tinfoil hat, UFO chaser, Bigfoot, you know, I mean, flat earth, I mean, all, all kinds of stuff, you know. And uh, and like I said, this is, you know, they invited me to be on CNN with Glenn Beck, and Glenn made an absolute fool of himself. He really did. Um, it, it, so like I said, yeah, I did get attacked and ridiculed and stuff like that. But after Ripple Effect came out, um, yeah, I was just feeling, it was just all coming down at the same time. Uh, like I said, I went through a very difficult time with my mom and with Joyce and the radio show and all this stuff. And it all just hit the fan. And I was D-U-N done. You know, I mean, I'm a, like I said in the beginning, I am, always was, and always will be a musician. And I tumbled down the rabbit hole. I was never in the military. I wasn't trained or, or, or prepared or educated or primed for all this. I mean, uh, here I am you know, a radio talk show host, and I get thrown into the front lines with not just the 9-11 thing, but with the uh, you know, Oklahoma City bombing, uh, the Gulf War veterans issue, all this stuff. Oh, and then there's the, the, the trafficking. And I became very good friends with Ted Gunderson, who was the uh, former bureau chief of the FBI in Houston, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. And he had been investigating not just the uh, institutionalization of child sex trafficking, but the industrialization of it. And I got to tell you guys, I learned things that were so horrifying, so disturbing. Uh, I mean, I couldn't sleep at night because, you know, when Joyce and I were traveling around the country, you know, we would have people come up and hand us plain brown manila envelopes with some very sensitive documentation in them, you know, and also DVDs. I've already told you, Richard, about a particular DVD I'm working on right now. But uh, but no, I was given uh, these documents having to do with the sub projects of MK Ultra involving children, children. You know, oh. you might recall that the, the milk carton kids of the 80s and 90s, 
a lot of these milk carton kids were brought into the CIA mind control programs and they fell into one of three categories. They were either trained or brainwashed into becoming assassins or they were suicide bombers or the bulk of them were sex slaves. Now that's a reality, folks. That's reality. And I'm sorry, as a uneducated, uninitiated, drug, sex, and rock and roll peacenik musician all my life, and I'm, I'm slapped in the face with the reality of these absolute horrors. Damn right I got motivated. Damn right I, you know, I got pissed off. So um, anyways, that's, that's sort of how everything started to unfold. And like, like I said, I'm just a musician. I didn't prepare for this. You know, I was thrown into it. And for whatever reason, God see God saw it necessary for me to end up with all these video uh, clips and videotapes. You know, I don't know how else all this information would have gotten out there, but uh, thank God I had access to the radio show. Uh, you know, it was it was just, I don't know, ordained, I guess. I don't know. So mm -hmm. hopefully that answers your question. All right. Here is a little bit of off topic, but um, the question is, did you study Shanksville and what happened there? Can you give us your thoughts about what took place there in that field? Well, I suppose I know just about the same amount as everybody else does. Um, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the story about uh, the flight that was uh, either shot down or it was crashed in Shanksville. There were also reports, I believe that was Flight 93. Yeah, yeah, Flight 93. There was a report that it landed in Cleveland Hopkins International Airport. I remember the mayor of Cleveland had made a statement, and I think it might even be in the 9-11 uh, Ripple Effect video. But uh, they had announced that Flight 93 had been rerouted and landed at Cleveland Hopkins Airport. Then that, that story disappeared, okay, uh, and again, we have to ask the question, what happened to those planes? What happened to those people? I don't know. But I do know that many people who have shared video footage and photographs of the, of the supposed crash site in Shanksville, eh, where's the plane? I mean, where's the, they say that the plane buried itself? Wait a second. Again, we're talking about titanium engines. We're talking about landing gear. We're talking about a huge piece of machinery. And it just, poof, disappeared into a little hole in Shanksville. Sorry, um, I, I can't buy that either. I don't know what happened to it. It's just I look at the evidence. I look at the, the quote-unquote crash site. doesn't make sense to me. I can't help but ask questions what really happened there. And the sad fact is, is that we as Americans, as information consumers, have been trained to immediately have a negative reaction to anyone who proposes something that is outside of the confines of the official story or the narrative. They told you over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again that the plane crashed in Pennsylvania. But I look at the crash site and say, really? Where? You know, the plane crashed in Pennsylvania. But where? The plane crashed in Pennsylvania. And if you don't go along with that, you're a nut job. You're neo-Nazi, neo skinhead, Islamophobe, racist, and we have, here we go again. It's uh -huh. standard operating procedure. Cancel culture, 
ignore the opposition. If you don't agree with them, then, it, you know, like George Bush said, if you're not with us, you're one of them. <laughs> you know? um, and and Gail, I, I saw a question that you may not have seen from David. Did you see that about the size of the hole? Um, well, go ahead right? and ask it. Yeah, go ahead and ask it if you see it. There's a lot of dialogue going on back and forth that it has nothing to do with questions. So I might have yeah. missed it. But uh, uh, David says, you haven't mentioned it yet, but in the promo material for this interview, it mentions the supposed nine foot of reinforced concrete at the Pentagon. This is based on a misunderstanding of the composition of the walls and the idea that the outer three rings were separated by concrete walls. On the first and second floor, the Pentagon had open space, no walls. Isn't it time to correct this misunderstanding? Um, I'm trying to understand the setup for that question. You know, nine feet, three feet. What, what, I'm, I'm confused by the question. Um, <clears throat> in the promo material for this interview, because uh, <clears throat> I, I took some 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 text from 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 your website and put it in, and, and it's it talked about nine feet of reinforced concrete, um, and so David is suggesting that that there's no concrete uh, walls between the rings uh, at the first and second floor. Okay. Well, the way I understand it, uh, there are, you know, there's the exterior ring. There's three rings. Okay. To the Pentagon. Okay. On the outer ring, of course, you got the outer wall. And from what I, uh, from what I had found uh, or found reported is that each one of these walls, the exterior wall to that ring, and the interior wall to that ring are both approximately three feet thick of steel reinforced concrete. Now that's one ring. Okay, then there's a second ring, and again, with walls on the out, outer and inner side of the ring. So that's another three, uh, six feet. Okay, and then there's a third ring. So whatever it was that hit the Pentagon obviously penetrated the outer ring. So that would have to go through three feet of the exterior and three feet of the interior walls. Is, are, are, am I making sense here, Richard? Yeah. Okay. Um, but so, I, I think he's disagreeing with, with, with the facts. Um, and, and by the way, for those of you who are, are in, interested in the Pentagon and most of us, all of us in the nine 11 truth movement should be, we're having a, special conference on March 19th, Saturday, where we now have just yesterday confirmed that Thierry Maison will be there mm. along with David Chandler, along with Barbara Honiger, along with Craig McKee, uh, the later latter three being the three most uh, recent uh, and major researchers uh, on the Pentagon in the 9-11 Truth Movement. So we're very excited to bring them all together to have uh, presentations of an hour and a half each with questions cool. uh, from each other. It's going to be a, a, a 10 to 12 hour conference on Saturday, March 19th, beginning at 10 o'clock Pacific time. Can so, you give uh, me a second? I want you to say hi to Barbara when you see her. I'll be right back. Give me a second. Yeah, yeah, sure. And um, go ahead and promote it. <laughs> yeah. The so th this is I mean Thierry Maison came out you know a year within a year after 9/11 and and wrote his book Hunt the Boeing and uh and then later 
Pentagate. So uh, th- these have launched the theory in the 9-11 truth movement that no plane hit the Pentagon. And since then, uh, many other theories have developed, including uh, more recently that uh, that maybe there is evidence for a plane hitting the Pentagon. But we're going to hear from all of these uh, researchers. So it's a very exciting opportunity for those of us who have been subject to the very difficult sets of discussions going on between the, uh, the these major researchers and hopefully get some consensus after reviewing the evidence itself. And um, uh, we, we real, all really need to come together. So Gail and I will be hosting this conference Saturday, March 19th uh, on the Eventi software, which will allow the 9-11 truth movement to come together and, and, uh, connect with each other, not just around the Pentagon, but say, what What do you know? Uh, speaking of one of these researchers, uh, David Chandler is here, and he's asking the question, are you still claiming the Pentagon hole was just 16 feet? The 16-foot hole was on the second floor. You just claimed that the 16-foot hole was on the first floor. The first floor opening was 100 feet wide. I can understand someone getting it wrong at first, but by now we know better. Why do you feel you need to reaffirm your error? Well, there's a tough question. (laughs) Okay, well, first of all, um, okay, he's saying that the hole at the Pentagon was 100 feet, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah, he's saying the first floor Uh, opening. Yeah. Okay. Well, the point is, is that, yeah, once the collapse happened, it was like about a hundred feet across. I think there was some people said it was 75 feet, whatever, 75 feet, hundred feet. We saw the collapse. Okay. That's the picture that we were shown over and over and over again, the footage of the collapse, the collapse. We just showed the video footage of the actual collapse. Now, the question is, what was happening before the collapse? Now, the person who's asking the question is basing their question on the assumption that whatever happened, the plane hit the Pentagon and the thing collapsed. That's not what happened. Whatever happened, whatever hit the Pentagon, hit it, made a big problem. Firefighters arrived. They were all doing their thing. They have video and photographic evidence, pictures being taken, video being taken. And then, that collapsed. So the person who's asking the question, they're not paying attention to what happened before the collapse. Well, he'll be showing evidence. Yeah, Dave, in his case, he'll be showing evidence that the pre-collapse a uh, hole, hole, if you will, the opening was was a hundred feet wide, or n- at least ninety feet wide. Um, and, and but it so, wasn't. well, will <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have the opportunity to clarify that on March nineteenth. Uh, so uh, I hope everybody will will come back. It's a it's an extraordinary opportunity for everybody to present their theories. Uh, Gail, did you have another question for Dave? 
This be oh, the final I would, one. I would suggest, gotta... you know, for the benefit of the, the, the last person who asked that question, for that benefit, I, I'm, I'm sure you've got photographs of the Pentagon that were that have been released before the collapse. I mean, there's yeah. plenty of them. There are yeah, lots of them. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if we will have those available. What? I was just going to say, if he could base his question on the photographs that were taken before the collapse, then yeah. we could have an intelligent discussion. But yeah, the I bottom think line will. is his, his, his question is based upon the, the photograph of the collapse afterwards. So it's sort I, of like I, we're chasing our I tail. Don't, I don't believe that's true. Um, I think he's basing it on the pre-collapse photos, but we'll see on March 19th. So great Maybe setup. I'm just confused. Well, well, we'll we'll get we'll see on March nineteenth. It'll it'll be a great opportunity for all of us to lay all of these cards on the table, uh, including Thierry Maison's cards, uh, whom we haven't heard from for twenty years in the nine eleven yeah. truth movement. Final question, Gail. Okay, this is a question from Ray. Question for Dave: The FBI investigation was named Penty Bomb on the day itself. It stands for Pentagon Twin Towers Bombing Investigation. Do you think that the FBI all along knew explosives were used? Um, I really can't address that. I don't know how much they knew. Um, you'd have to ask them. The bottom line, though, is that I have zero trust in any of the alphabet agencies right now. I mean, with all that's going on right now with the uh, and, and again, I won't mention anything that might get you banned from from YouTube. But with all the investigation that's going on into, uh, oh, gosh, how do I say this without triggering echelon? Uh, <laughs> the erection fraud. <laughs> OK, <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, oh, and the uh, and the Maxine. <laughs> we can't talk about anything that challenges, you know, those particular narratives. OK, because you end up getting attacked. So, um, you know, as far as well, I'm sorry, what was the tail part of that question again, Gail? It was, um, do you think that the FBI all along knew yeah. explosives were used? Right. The FBI. OK, um, I'm sure that there are a lot of good people in the FBI, but I'm also just as sure that there are some bad people in the FBI as well. And with like I said, with what's going on right now. We're finding out that there are some very bad actors, not just in the FBI and in the CIA and, well, NIST, you know, I mean, Department of Justice. There are bad actors all over the place. So I think that the only way we can sort through this is to be allowed to present evidence, documentation and have free, open and honest debates about all of the above. That's the only way it's going to happen. And shed your ego and pride. Leave that crap at the door. Everybody, we're on the same team. You got puzzle pieces. You got puzzle pieces. I got puzzle pieces. Let's work together. We might actually get a picture when we put it on the table. Mm. Yes, that's right. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, Dave, Dave uh, 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 take us out with 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 one of your favorite songs there. That's appropriate to our topic, and mm. we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll end on a all right. Let me uh, see. On a high note here. We all appreciate the. Uh, let me just think for a second. I got to I got to dial in halfway through the song. <laughs> and as this country prospered, there were those who couldn't stand. 
to see the common people as the rulers of their land. A small cabal of rich men then meticulously planned, regaining their control with an economic hand. For many generations and through the countless years, their money paid for influence and their tactics played on fears until each politician, corporate leader, and CEO understood they had to play along, but say they didn't know. Don't let it slip away. The framers tried to warn us. Forever vigilant is what we have to be. Be on your guard and protect the Constitution, or your republic could succumb to tyranny. Ah, but there are those who don't believe this evil story could be true. But if you look and think, you'll see just what they've done to you. A third of all your labor, every year they tax away. And how they spend your money, you don't have a right to say. Ah, but our country now is awakening, and our eyes are open wide. We see how they deceived us, and we know just how they lied. It's time for restoration. Yes, it's time to do what's right. And although we may not want to, if we have to, we must fight. Because we understand just why the framers warned us. Forever vigilant is what we now will be. And we're prepared to defend our constitution. Armed with the truth, we'll defeat this tyranny. Yes, we will stand and we'll march to victory. We cannot fail and together we will be free. Uh, Dave, very good. That's awesome. you've done it for us. You've you've uh, lifted everybody's spirits, brought some great evidence to the table, and um, galvanized us. I'm galvanized, Gail. You galvanized? Oh, absolutely, yes. Dave, yes. last word. Um, unity. Unity. That's the word. And uh, people will learn more about unity on your website, Dave Von Kleist and love.com. Unity and love. That's two yes. words. <laughs> you don't get two words. Uh, uh, yeah. well, you, we'll put them together. We'll call it lunity. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh my God. There he goes. Mr. Dave Von Kleist. Thanks for blessing us today, Dave. Uh, thank, thank you, you for Dave. having me. It's been good fun. No. And there is uh, a man who cares and about his country and loves his yeah. country has done yes. enough for the 9-11 truth movement for, for 
as much as anybody has. And Gail, I'm inspired. I'm going to keep on going. What about you? Absolutely. There's no stopping us. No, no, we're not going to stop. In fact, what's coming up on Thursday, we've got our next guest and that is who? Ray McGinnis. Uh, Oh, dear. Thank you. Ray McGinnis (laughs) is the author of questions uh, and questions, the nine 11 truth movement. Uh, I do not. um, The, the, Questions the 9-11 Truth Movement has been asking, the family members have been asking, but didn't get answered. He's interviewed several family members in, in their pursuit for of justice, and he lays it out for us. He's bringing it to the table Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, be here at richardgage911.org. We're grateful for you, and thanks, Gail, for being with us, too. You're so welcome. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for joining us on yet another informative and soul-stirring episode of Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed. We'll be on the air again next week with another very special guest in the 9-11 Truth Movement and beyond. Visit us at richardgage911.org where you can find our schedule, learn about the WTC evidence, and of course, sign up for our emails and support us. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Subscribe.